Welcome to the Knicks Wall at the Buzzer podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm here with Candace, Patrick, and Dean. We're going to be discussing the Knicks' loss against the Washington Wizards. The final score was 124-117 in the Wizards' favor. Uh, the brightest point of this game was, of course, Kemba Walker's performance. He ended with 44 points, uh, also chipped in with, I believe, nine rebounds and eight assists. Such a amazing game from Kemba. But uh, a lot of the other things of this game were not as beautiful. Uh, Dean, you want to take it away? Yeah, so... From the jump, it looked like Kemba was just out to have something to prove. Uh, he's been playing that way for the last few games since he got his chance to get back into the lineup with all these COVID absences. Uh, he's really taken advantage of it. And uh, I don't know if I would say that I wrote him off, but I definitely uh, you know, couldn't see how he was going to uh, get the opportunity to show what he could do. And I wasn't sure if he would cap- was capable of this type of play, but it was beautiful for him. It was beautiful. I'll say right now, that I was eating like a family holiday dinner during the second quarter when he did a lot of his work. Uh, I saw at halftime that he had 28. So I look forward to hearing more about uh, what made him so successful in that quarter. But again, it's another twilight zone, you know, weird ass game for the Knicks. Um, We were just saying this right before we started recording, but can you imagine telling a Knicks fan two weeks ago that there was going to be a game that Obi Toppin was available to play in and he would get less minutes than Damian Dotson really just like this whole season has been flipped upside down. So um, since I missed some of the first half, I'll, uh, I'll let you guys take it away on that. Yeah. I mean, in the first half Kemba, I mean, had me out of my seat for most of the first half. Like I haven't seen a Knicks player go off like that. I feel like this entire season. And last time I felt like that, I feel like would probably be their first game against Boston in that double overtime game. Um, he was just, both facilitating the best of any of the Knicks in the court. And he was also being the most aggressive of any of the Knicks in the court when it came to offense. Like it just looked like he couldn't miss. Definitely looked like vintage Kemba. It was just fantastic to see. And I mean, for the past three games, he's just been going off and definitely just kind of making Tibbs look a little bit uh, in a bad spot. I don't know if like it was like a Tibbs mastermind move where he was just trying to bench him to motivate him to play like this. But I mean, whatever he did, it's obviously working because the last three games, he's just been contributing the absolute most for New York. Um, it's just unfortunate that they weren't able to pull it out. And I'm sure we'll get into the, the reasons why, but it was definitely weird um, seeing so much of Damian Dotson and no Quentin Grimes, even though it seemed like he would be available to play. Yeah, this game was just wild, especially from Kemba, because like you guys said, this was probably the best performance we've seen all season. This kind of vibe that gave me like last year when we saw like Randall going off is what it feels like to have an all-star on your, on your team. And it's beautiful because we never had an all-star guard be able to go off like this, able to drop to the basket at ease to get, you know, those pull-up three-point shots, you know, off-screen, stuff like that. So it was amazing. 
you know, this is the kind of performance we had from Randall like last year against like Dallas Mavericks, against the Atlanta Hawks, where he's going off for 40 plus points. And, you know, Julius Rand hasn't been that good this season. So seeing this kind of performance from Kemba is really good to see. Um, you know, I saw other people talking on Twitter saying that, you know, the Knicks did Kemba wrong, but Kemba wasn't playing this aggressive early on in the season. Um, like you, Candace was saying, this might have been a move from Tibbs, you know, to kind of motivate Kemba. It's kind of hard for me to, to see that guy. I feel like they had a little bit of bad, like true, like bad blood between them. Like they didn't really, they weren't really, weren't really getting along on the right foot. But this was amazing to see from Kemba and hope this can kind of, you know, build some camaraderie in that locker room. So even though they got a loss, that they can still, you know, lean on Kemba in a way to, you know, push them through victory, especially with Derrick Rose being out. I definitely think we'll talk about that later on in this podcast. Yeah, Kemba's going to keep getting his chances with uh, Derrick Rose being out for, they're saying, six to eight weeks now with the ankle surgery that came out of nowhere. He was, yeah, that was, uh, that was painful. Yeah, I mean, that's really rough. And uh, he's going to get his chances. Well, we might see uh, Deuce get more chances, which would be really nice. Hopefully he capitalizes on them. But, um, you know, before, like, Kemba's issue was trying to coexist with Randall. That was one of his major issues, aside from, obviously, defense. But trying to coexist to Randall and defer to Randall. And I think at this point, um, you know, this is two games in a row now that Julius Randall has double the amount of turnovers as he has assists. And we have Kemba playing the way that he's playing. And we saw what Deuce was able to do with the offense and his control. So I think that it's uh, probably time for the Knicks to rely on more traditional point guard play from, you know, more creation from that spot, like with Kemba, with Deuce, with Emmanuel quickly to an extent and try to get Randall going as like a, a pick and roll, you know, roll man, maybe some pick and pop because like the Randall bringing the ball up the court. I feel like every Nick fan is over this, over watching that. Talk about turnovers. Yeah. Kemba has zero tonight. Just keep that in mind. Zero turnovers. That's that's amazing, especially how much he had the ball in his hands tonight. From that, I have one single turnover. That that's amazing. Yeah, that was that. I, that's the second game in a well. No, um, Deuce was out versus um Detroit, right? Um, when he went off against Houston, he he also he was another um lead guard that had zero turnovers. You know, um with um, almost double-digit assists. I think Kamba had eight, Deuce had nine that game. But um, you guys hit it right on the head. It was great to see Kemba, you know, leading the offense. He looked vintage. Um, you know, he was getting everything he wanted. Um, like Dean said, he looked – it was awesome. He was getting, you know, whatever he wanted, the pick and pops, you know, the pull-up, the pull-ups, the mid-range. Everything was on fire. He was even driving to the basket. Um and you know, Candace touched on it too. Um, maybe you know this was some kind of Machiavellian mind play by Tiz, where where you know he was like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna punish you, you know, to motivate you, and then you'll come back in." Because maybe Kemba, you know, maybe he got a little bit too comfortable deferring to Julius, and maybe he thought, you know, maybe now he realizes that it's like, okay, just because I'm Kemba and because I'm from New York, that doesn't mean I'm automatically gonna get a chance to play. And it was just awesome just watching him go off. Like, like um, Josh just said, you know, the Knicks haven't had an, an all-star guard just take over a game and go off like that. And, you know, Dean also just mentioned the Knicks um, could benefit from more traditional point guard play, you know. And with Derrick Rose out, as you guys mentioned, with the surprise surgery, because it was a surprise, you know, um, he went out um, that game versus 
Detroit or Houston, and uh, and then you know they asked Tibbs about it in the post game. They're like, oh, you know, Kemba's day, um, not Kemba, Derrick Rose is day to day, and then um, it comes out that he has surgery and he's out, you know, six to eight weeks, and you know now with Derrick Rose out, we're definitely going to see a lot more Kemba, and hopefully he can, hopefully you know this, you know click something in him where he, he remembers who he is, you know, and we get a lot more vintage Kemba and, you know, more Deuce McBride. And we can see like real dynamic point guard play going forward because Julius Randle looked out of sorts tonight. You know, he got his 20 something points, but you know, it was definitely the Kemba show, you know, little, it was the little bit of Kemba we were imagining when we signed the buckets. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit of stat padding there at the end, but you know, um, it was just good to see the Kemba we we envisioned when we signed them. You know, the like this was a this was a real homecoming. You know, like this is what this is what New York wanted to see from the hometown kid. So you know, apart from the result, watching Kemba was awesome. We all want him to get that fifty burger. You know, unfortunately it was for not, but it was just great to see a, a star guard go off for the Knicks. I'm really curious. Um... I wouldn't know how to how to come across this information um, quickly enough. We we really rely on on our guy Evan with the quick stats. Uh, but I feel like the last time a Nick point guard went for forty was Trey Burke. Am I crazy? You're, you're probably right. He might have. Yeah, Trey Burke right. at the Hornets. I think forty-two. I think him, that, that was the last Kimber. time. Is Kemba now and? Uh, I don't think D Rose ever gunned enough to get 40 and who else guard since then would have, would have done it. A point guard. Don't think so. Yeah. No, Moody no, wasn't so. doing that. <laughs> if Moody yeah. went for 40, that's like something I could never forget about. Frank yeah. wasn't doing that. I don't the Frank yeah, 25 uh, this, in the game. Probably not. Burke probably went for 40 that, you know, around one of those times where, you know, they were costing us Luka Doncic. Burke, that was no, the thing. Burke definitely did score 42 or something like that on the Hornets, and he was like making every single pull up long too. That was a fun game. It, I like Trey it, Burke was on the next, but uh, it, it, it was yeah. Trey I remember Iron. it was that it, it was it was probably in that um that stretch where he was just going off at the end of the season, and people were conflicted. Like, do we want to see these wins, or is he costing us, you know, a top pick? Right now, at that point, with the point play that we had been subjected to for a few years prior to that, I was I was ecstatic. I like to watch it. I was all for it. Um, <laughs> coming back to the guys that uh, that are on the roster, um, you know, Obi didn't get too many minutes tonight. Like we said, he, he played less than Dotson. But here's the thing, and like I don't want to I don't want to get myself in trouble talking about uh, you know like Obi and Julius Randle because um, I'm pretty open about the fact that Obi's my favorite player. And I'm obviously not that happy with how Randall's been playing. But what I want to say is that, like, obviously Julius Randall is the better player. But when Julius Randall is bad Julius, like when he's at his worst, it's I think it's better for the team for Obi to be out there. And the problem right now is that we're seeing bad Julius a lot. And so, like, Julius Randle is, you know, we got Kemba cooking, right? It's the third quarter. He's cooking. He's playing great. But then a couple possessions, they would – uh you know, give like some entitlement touches to Randall and he would take it, turn it over, trying to drive to the basket off his own leg, off his elbow, um, just discombobulated, you know, classic stumbling and bowling. Shout out to Clyde, by the way. Clyde came back tonight, which was amazing. But when we see that and then you see Obi come in and he's just like grabbing rebounds, 
there was one play where Obi uh, caught a pass from Kemba at about the elbow, uh, looked to the basket like he was going to shoot, uh, drew in the defender, dumped it off to Mitch for a dunk. Just really quick decision-making. Beautiful. Play. So, like, when Randall's not on, um, it's, it's a little disruptive the way that he ball stops and tends to turn the ball over. Yeah, it's, it's tough to watch. Like, I mean, yeah, um, yeah, he he was um he was really off tonight, you know. Um, and you're right. Like, when Julius isn't, you know, cooking like he like he like he should be, you know, um, we should get more of the uh, of the younger guys like like Ob and like you know we mentioned earlier, you know, Grimes didn't get in, you know, even though, you know, he was cleared, you know, maybe it was a conditioning thing. Or, you know, maybe this wasn't, you know, really secure with letting him play tonight. But the thing is, like, when Randall's off like that and, you know, Fournier, who was way off as well, you know, you you, uh, you could benefit from a, a a guy like Grimes who can come in and score. And, you know, like, because all the focus was on Kemba Walker. You know, he was getting doubled at one point. So, you know, um, when some of the other guys, some of the other main guys are off, you know, it, we could benefit from seeing more Obi Toppin and more um, Wayne Grimes and, you know, guys like that, that'll, that could come maybe, you know, relieve the pressure on the guy that's going off when, you know, guys aren't, you know, um, uh, performing to the, to the level that they're supposed to be. Yeah. And I think that, especially with Randall, you know, you see that he's kind of been a little bit figured out since that Atlanta series where teams know that as long as they can double him in the post, it's a wrap. Like, more often than not, unfortunately, he's turned the ball over in those situations. Sometimes he's able to get a quick layup or, you know, get a foul call for him, but that's not happening as often as he'd like it to be. Um, And being the primary ball handler, like, he decides to bring the ball up in a lot of situations And I think he's just used to having to do that from last season. And I think he has to break out of that habit a little bit, Um, especially with Kemba playing the way that he's playing now. And we also saw Deuce McBride doing a great job playing point guard. You know, hopefully when he gets back, he'll get that role, you know, and get more minutes as a point guard playing with Randall as well um, so that he gets more used to that because him being the primary ball handler is obviously not working out super well for him, especially because the spacing is also just not there for him to be able to create his own shot when he does have the ball. Um, And you can definitely attribute that, unfortunately, to the fact that Fournier has just been very inconsistent this season. um, And he hasn't been able to help space out the floor for Randall. Basically, none of the starters have really been that consistent where they're able to play off of each other. Um, but I think Randall's definitely struggling when he does decide to bring the ball of himself and try to make something happen that's just not there. Yeah, tonight was a weird game because the kind of the defensive coverage that the, the, the Wizards were throwing at Randall, they were playing like guards on him for the most part. I don't know if that was they were trying to bait him in taking those mid-range jumpers, and I, I think he made a couple of them early on, but like Randall really struggled when he like had a lane to get to the basket and then they show that that quick double and he can't read the defense quick enough to make a decision. So he either try to pump fake a couple times, try to put the ball up and then it'll be too many heads around him or he'll kick out. And I think he had a decent amount of kickout passes, but Julius Randle's been annoying me. I'm the, this, this has been a thing that's going on for a while now, but his passes aren't really clean. So like, I think he passed the Kemba a couple of times, like he'll stumble the ball for a little bit. And if the ball was like in the right pocket, Kemba could have had a, a opportunity to kind of read the defense. 
uh, driving off like a one of Randall's screens, but he has to kind of catch the ball, and that kind of takes off a millisecond for the defense to adjust. So things like that kind of bothered me with Julius Randall, but I I don't really I really know like there's moments in this game where he's rolling and I think he's like curling with Kemba and like it looks okay, but then you know I still feel like he holds the ball for a little bit too much and then like I I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. It's some some it has to get figured out at some point and. Like t- the tonight, he didn't make any three pointers all-, all night. It was zero oh oh five from the field, so like that was such a big part of his game last season that opened up the entire the entire floor for him. And if he's not making the three pointers, then you know the floor kind of closes up, and you know it's gonna be a lot harder for him. So Jules Randle had to figure things out, and hopefully these next fourteen games I saw a stat that all the next games that these the Knicks are playing are teams under five hundred, so they're gonna have a pretty good opportunity to kind of capitalize on these games. Yeah, with um, so with Randall, I watched this game with my older brother, uh, older brother, definitely the Knicks, uh, as much these days as he used to. He's definitely the reason that I am a Knicks fan in the first place. You know, he started playing basketball when he was like in fourth grade, I was in kindergarten, so I, I feel like I've learned a lot from him. And he, he made the point tonight that uh, it seems like Julius Randall is he's shooting until he's not like he'll have the ball. He'll have a plan. Like he's going to pull up, he's going to put up a shot. And then once he decides he's not shooting, he's throwing it wherever. So like, take it like he's driving. He doesn't know if he wants to jump and then like be stuck in the air, do a 180, uh, throw it back out to the three point line at somebody's knee or like to the side of them. And, uh, you know, last year where he was setting guys up for like some clean looks for three, especially Reggie Bullock, um, this year, it's, his passes are a little bit more of like a last resort versus a, a calculated um, setup that he made for somebody else. And, um, and I, think, uh, I think it's been hurting the team. And it's kind of tough because like, you know, Fournier played really well these last couple of games, or at least he was making his shots. Like he was still giving up a lot on defense. And, you know, he does look clunky at times, you know, where, you know, last year, he, he like you said, he was more calculated. Um, but now, like, with some good point guard play now, like, maybe, like, you know, Kemba starts, you know, um, being more assertive and taking more control. Maybe that makes things, relieves the pressure for Randall, and maybe he starts playing within himself again. And, you know, like a guy like Deuce, like, you know, how he took the reins, you know, um, controlling the offense, you know, like, maybe those things is what Julius Randall needs. Because now that there's a... Uh, uh, game the things that he does it's easier for teams to figure out what he's gonna do you know and like you say like you know he gets he, he gets in his head and you know he'll make a crazy jump pass or you know he'll dribble too much and wait for a double team and he'll um like you said like he just has to you know just try to get back to you know, what made him great last season, you know, just finding his guys, playing his game, not forcing anything, you know. Okay. On to uh, another topic. Um, okay. Fournier also had a really bad night. Um, Patrick, any thoughts about that? Yeah, Um. he was just like, you know, uh, unreliable. Like, you know, he had those, those couple nice games before coming into this one. And even, all right, like, I don't want to pile on this guy. But you watch those games and they're like uninspiring. Yeah, he'll score, but then you'll see like he'll he'll take more than he gives. 
Like tonight, like, you know, Kemba Walker was going off. Julius Randle was having a hard time. The Knicks couldn't get anything going besides obviously Kemba. And he was no help. You know what I'm saying? And it's like he hits his first two shots. Then he misses nine straight shots. And then it's like everything falls on on Kemba when when it's like your main guy's not going off. You bring in this guy to be the second guy, and he can't even do that. You know, when all the attention is like Kemba Walker's getting double teamed, you know, and like he's he's just you know brick after brick, and it's just, and it gets frustrating to watch this guy play because it's like if he's not giving like we. I mean, we've exhausted these these points over and over again. If he's not giving you anything on the offensive side, he's not giving you anything anywhere else. Like, there's a play where a ball uh, on an offensive rebound, you know, we talked about this. You know, the ball is coming in his direction. He lets it go, you know, towards the corner. Aaron, Aaron Holiday is coming, and Obi Toppin has to come out and get the rebound, you know? And it's like, Evan Fournier, like, if it was... That ball would have gone right out of bounds if nobody was close to it, you know? Fournier would have let that ball go right out of bounds. And it's like, th- th- those are the things. Like, he doesn't hustle. Like, I don't see any hustle. I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if I'm just piling on the guy, but I don't see intensity from him. Okay. All right. So, uh, basically what I wanted to say with regards to Evan Fournier is that don't you feel like usually when someone is a poor defender, they have something on defense that they can do like somewhere where they can hang their hat. Like in Fournier's case, he's, he's too slow to guard, uh, you know, a quick small guard. He's not strong enough. If someone tries to take advantage of him in that area, posting him up, doing this and that. And uh, the comparison I wanted to make is, um, you know, like you could defend Fournier, say that he, he brings his positives, but think back to when the Knicks had Ennis Cantor uh, before the freedom days, before, before he let freedom ring. Um, think back to that. So like people were so frustrated with, with Cantor all the time for how bad his defense was, but Cantor couldn't guard the pick and roll. If someone posted Cantor up one-on-one, he was fine. He was like average. He was totally fine at that. And when you had Ennis Cantor on the court, you basically were guaranteeing that your team was going to out offensive rebound the other team. So he was giving you some kind of an identity. There was something he was doing every night, even though he was super deficient in the area of lateral quickness and guarding the pick and roll Fournier. It's like, you're probably going to get nothing out of him. Maybe you'll get shot making, but you're not going to get more than shot making really anything else would be a plus. So I'm really, really, really frustrated with Fournier and I'm having a hard time seeing how he's gonna just become somebody that like you want to rely on on a night in night out basis really it's extremely tough because like day by day I, I keep on thinking that evan fournier was what you call it a system player in his orlando days um i think we brought up multiple times on the pod but he was playing on a orlando team with a whole bunch of you know flexible guys who can guard like two through four from like aaron gordon um Jonathan Isaac, you know, those kind of guys that he didn't really have to like guard one-on-one a lot, or maybe he would, but like he'd have those guys who can cover up for him. And, you know, him and Vucevic, they had such a really dynamic, you know, duo offensive game. So Evan Fournier knew where he would be on the court all the time. And, you know, he doesn't have Vucevic here on the Knicks to, to bail him out where he gets stuck in the pinch, he's going to throw down to the post and Vucevic can get a bucket or Vucevic is behind him trailing. So he knows if, he messes up on something. He's not willing to get to the basket. He can toss it back out to him, and he's there for a three. 
And you know that that's hurting him right now. Um, it's hard when Julius Randle isn't playing up to par, so he doesn't have Julius Randle to trust right now. And you know Evan Fournier is playing well, so Julius Randle doesn't have them. Julius Randle doesn't have Evan Fournier to trust. So both of them being off right now, really, you know, it's it's it's, it's terrible for both of them. They would need each other to survive, and right now both of them are struggling, and this, this is the worst possible thing that could be happening for this Knicks team. Yeah, look, um, on Fournier, like. You had on you. You made a lot of good points, but and, and you know, uh, it's just like it, it's plain to see. Like him and Julius Randle, they do not gel. They don't like. I don't think they play well together. They just don't. And it's like you know, Dean just went went off on on his on his rant. And it's like Fournier, if he's not scoring, he's not giving you anything. He's behind every play. He doesn't go after rebounds. Like he, you know, he he gets bullied. He gets you know, he gets out hustled at everything. So if he's not scoring, he's not giving you anything. And I don't want to pile on this guy, but the thing is, it's like, you know, you see him score, you know, the last few games before this one, he he was having, he put together a couple good games, but then it's like you, those games, like you see, he, he doesn't inspire. He's so inspiring to watch his manning because he gives you, he takes away more than what he gives. And it, it's just so difficult to watch him play because you know that, you know, he'll do one good thing and do three bad things, you know? And those are just the things where Evan Fournier that is just so frustrating to watch him, you know? And, and then it's like, and then it's like this guy, like he has a long leash, his, and I, it's a mystery to me why he gets these chances. Like, you know, like he was brought here to score, you know, and he'll he'll have games like he had the last few games where he'll give you three games in a row where he'll score twenty points, and then you know that puts Stibbs in a tough spot because he'll bench a guy like Kemba, you know, because he's not performing up to his standard, and then you know a guy like Fournier who could just fuck up as much as he wants, and then it's like there's no consequences. Like he'll keep playing, you know. Like tonight he had a bad game, yet he finished out the game. And this is the kind of stuff that we're seeing over and over with this guy, you know? Like, it's, it's like he's not being held. Like, Thibs will hold them out, you know, some fourth quarters here and there. But then it's like, you know, he won't punish him enough, you know? Like, we don't – like, there's no consequences to the way he's playing, you know? And this guy's supposed to be one of the, the – well, obviously, he was brought in here to to be one of the leaders on the team, you know? Like, he, he got his big money, you know? Like, and he hasn't lived up to that contract. I don't know. It's just difficult to watch, you know, just this guy is manning to watch him continuously do the same things over and over and, and, and not be held accountable the way a guy like Kemba, Kemba's held accountable, you know? Yeah, not to keep piling on top of Fournier, but another thing that really bothers me about like the discourse around him and just, you know, the reasons why he's not playing as well um, is that like the Knicks aren't utilizing him the correct way or the proper way. And I'll be honest, I didn't really watch him much when he was in Orlando. All I knew is that every time he played Orlando, he seemed to cook us so that, you know, when we did eventually assign him, I figured, all right, great. Now we have this guy on our side. He'll be a consistent scorer for us. That's going to space things out for everybody. It's going to be nice. You know, watching him now, I'm just like, 
how were they utilizing him any differently in Orlando? You expect the Knicks to give him complete control of the ball <laughs> when he's going up the court, turning the ball over just as much as Randall. That doesn't make any sense. That 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 excuse of the Knicks aren't utilizing him is is BS to me. And on top of that, he wasn't brought in to be the Knicks' number one option. You know what I mean? So for people to expect plays to be designed, you know, more around him so that he's able to succeed and he's able to thrive off of other players on the team, you know, you would think with as many games as the Knicks have already played together with this new lineup, he would have figured out his role by now. But like Dean already said, like he hasn't even figured it out on defense. And I just, I don't understand how they could be utilizing him any differently where he could be succeeding more. Maybe you guys have a better answer for that. But to me, from what I've seen, I think that they've given him every opportunity to succeed on the team. And so far he has not taken it at least consistently. I think he's just not a good fit for the system. Like, you see a guy like D Rose who can just get his own basket. He doesn't really need an offensive system around him to, you know, thrive. I think that's the kind of a player that kind of thrives in a, a Tibbs-based offense who can kind of get to the rim at, at ease, you know, make decisions off that. And Fournier is, you know, Tibbs is not an offensive coach. He's not going to put around all these great offensive schemes to really have Fournier thriving and him being different um, um, positions to, you know, excel. And he's not a great defensive player. So that's kind of a misjudgment on, the front office and thinking that he could just come here, get placed in the, the offensive scheme and just move around and be his best self. You know, he needs the right players around him on a team and, you know, he might go to a different team and, you know, thrive, but it's, it might, it's probably not going to work out here just based on our personnel. Juice Randall isn't a player who's going to put all that defensive effort on the court at, on a night to night basis. And, you know, RJ Barrett isn't here. He's had his moments on defense, but when RJ Barrett is off and the rest of the team is off, RJ Barrett is off. So, you know, this team has a lot of things to work out, and I don't think Evan Fournier is going to be on here long term, just based on how his his skill set meshes up with the rest of the players on his team. Yeah, I mean, we all set our piece basically on this guy. You know, kind of said it. You know, it's it's very lazy to say the Knicks aren't using him right. You know, um, what more do you want them to do? You know, like in the beginning of the season. They even deferred to him, you know. They 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 changed RJ Barrett into a cash and shoot guy, you know, to let Julius Randle and Evan Fournier try to figure things out. They had a little two-man game going and it didn't work. I don't know. It just seems like right now he doesn't work. Maybe it's because we're missing that dynamic point guard who can open things up and Fournier isn't such a focal point, you know, and he could just get his his shots in his spot, but it just doesn't work right now. Um, I don't know, guys. Um yeah, he's well, I mean, kind of a little what, bit of redundant, redundancy in like his skill sets and Burke's skill set. I think Burke's is kind of better suited for that Evan Fournier role. He's probably be like that bench. I mean, ideally, you want Evan Fournier as that kind of bench spark off the, you know, bench spark like off the bench, uh, that scoring spark. But you know, Burks is good at that, and he's being paid a lot cheaper. So, you know, right Evan Fournier at this point is probably just a salary salary filler and like a trade. So. We'll see how that goes. He probably get moved over the offseason. It's kind of hard to move those kind of guys during the season, with a lot, without a mm-hmm. lot of interest. So, you know, just moving on to a little, something a little, a little more, you know, upbeat. I think Jericho Sims gave some good minutes tonight. Um, you know, I yeah, I it like was seeing him. Awesome seeing six, him play. 6. I was six rebounds. I had enough of Taj Gibson. <laughs> I I don't think Taj Gibson was that bad tonight. It was kind of weird to yeah, see Tibbs yeah. put him in like as a as his first yeah. ro- like rotation change early on and put Julius Randle at the three. 
that was um, questionable, to say the least. And Obi Top didn't come in until second half, so that was weird to see. But oh uh, yeah, Jericho mm-hmm. Sims, good to see. And either we're playing, we're playing Atlanta Hawks next thing we can touch on that. And Jericho Sims had his best game against Atlanta Hawks, so we'll see if he can get some more minutes there. Um, can you have any thoughts for this upcoming game against Atlanta Hawks on Christmas Day? Yeah, I mean, I would. I was looking forward to this game ever since that they that they announced the matchup for Christmas. Like it was the perfect rivalry to put up on Christmas. And then, of course, it was snatched from us because of Omicron, which is cool. Um, I still think that it'll be a good game. Um, I I don't really know if there's any matchups that I'm really looking forward to seeing just because I have a funny feeling that the Hawks are kind of going to go twice as hard just because it's Christmas Day. They're missing a lot of key players, especially Trey Young. And, you know, they faced the Knicks in the first round of the playoffs, which was probably you know, one of the most memorable playoff rounds to date, just because it like created that villain arc of Trey Young. Um, So I think they're probably going to go pretty hard against us. Um, So I'm just looking forward to see how we respond to it, hopefully in a positive way. But I really hope we see more of the kids in this game, especially just after seeing how well they played against um, a pretty healthy Hawks team in their last matchup over Thanksgiving weekend. So it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, unfortunate that Trey Young is out for health and safety protocols, but I still think that it'll be entertaining nonetheless. I, I expect the Knicks to win. You know, they're at home. Um, they're they're starting to get more health. They're starting to get healthier. RJ and and Grimes should be back. Um, hopefully, you know, we we see those guys back in. Um, like tonight was a little bit disappointing not to see um Quinn Grimes considering um they ruled out RJ for conditioning and, you know, they didn't do it to Grimes yet. Grimes didn't play, but, you know, hopefully we get to see him um, in the next game. And, you know, I mean, the Knicks are going to be a little bit more equipped than, than, um, than the Hawks are. Like Candace said, they're missing their top, their top gun in Trey Young. And, um, you know, I, I expect the Knicks to, to, to win this game just because they're at home, you know, um, it's Christmas day, you know, the Knicks are back on Christmas. Um, and you know the Hawks are, you like you guys said the Haw- the Hawks are um shorthanded. You know, um I just expect I just expect a win, especially after this disappointing loss. You know, um the Knicks and you know just going forward, I expect the Knicks to, you know, take advantage of these um upcoming matchups that they have. It is such an interesting matchup because, like Candace was saying early on, this is such a hyped up, you know, game from the. No playoff, I don't say rivalry, but that playoff matchup that we had, it was, you know, optimistic, looking forward to be a really good rivalry. And like, you see everything going on with uh, Omicron and all the health and safety protocols, like all the players are getting snapped away like it's Infinity War right now. And, you know, the Hawks have a lot of injuries right now. Trey Young is out. You know, they just played the 76ers today and they had a whole bunch of injuries. Clint Capella has been out. I don't know if that's a um, regular injury or health and safety protocols, but I know Kevin Hurd just went out like a couple of days ago with health and safety protocols. They just signed Lance Stevenson, so, you know, Born Ready is going to be there on Christmas Day. Madison Square Garden going, getting lit. Um, Lou Williams isn't playing right now. Danilo Gallinari, I think he might just have a regular injury, and it might not be, like, actual, you know, COVID health, and safety pro- safe health and safety protocols reasons. But, you know, they have a lot. DeAndre Hunter is out, regular injury. So they have, they're missing a lot of um, critical pieces. Even Cam Reddish today won out with the injury. So they have, you know, still some interesting piece on their team. You know, Bogdanovich is going to 
you know, one being MSG going crazy like he did game one. Um, John Collins um, is playing solid basketball right now. So got to watch out. Hopefully next game we'll have R.J. Barrett back. Hopefully his condition will be better. Um, maybe we have some more guys. And it's also interesting because I've seen a report today that the NBA is trying to, like, switch up the mandates for how quickly players can come back. So I think it's it was it's 10 days right now. I think they're trying to switch it up to six days. And surprisingly, like, Trey Young um, has been out for about six days. So, you know, maybe Adam Silver's trying to cook something up right there. I know some fraudulent business right there. He's trying to get the, the Christmas <laughs> matinee back. back. So we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, he's always doing some some fraudulent business when the Knicks are involved against us. So got to watch out for him. Yeah, but thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Wall at the Buzzer podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Candace, Dean, and Patrick. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you after the Knicks game against the Atlanta Hawks on Christmas. Have a good one, and happy holidays.